Hello and welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jilly Smith, the podcast which takes us through four food moments from the books of our favourite food writers. It's about all of life through the prism of food. And this week I'm with former lawyer Jennifer Medhurst, aka the imperfect nutritionist. Stress is at an all-time high, be it with emails or with just modern daily life. There's demands, 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 social media, constant demands on our attention, always stimulating that sympathetic nervous system. And we do nothing to support the parasympathetic nervous system. Yes, I'm looking again at gut health, but this time we're focusing on its relationship with mental health. After this interview took a rather unexpected turn, I'd asked Jennifer about what I thought was a throwaway line in the introduction to her book, about her own recovery from a chronic illness. I asked her when it started. So it's it's quite an interesting question because it's like there's the answer that I would have given at the time and then there's the answer that I know now as a nutritionist looking back on it. And I think the thing is about chronic fatigue syndrome is it starts well before, like with all illnesses actually, it starts well before you actually start seeing symptoms. So... And because there's a long and gradual decline going over quite a substantial period of time, it's quite hard to pinpoint that. But with most people with chronic fatigue syndrome, there tends to be a never well since moment. That's what we call it, which is usually triggered by some kind of viral infection, something like that. So typically um, glandular fever. In my case, it was a very, very rare form of flu. Um, also followed by a rare form of food poisoning. And uh, and that whammy of that double virus together then meant that my body was obviously hit quite hard. And then it was after that that the real chronic fatigue syndrome symptoms started. But actually, they'd really started about seven years prior to that. Now I look back on it. Um, right. I mean, I know a lot of young people who just haven't recovered from COVID yeah. and do have, you know, ME or chronic fatigue syndrome. COVID has actually, well, or the arrival of long COVID has actually done quite a lot for the chronic fatigue syndrome movement because before that it wasn't really widely known. And this this was one of the big challenges about chronic fatigue syndrome was that I something was something was physically wrong with me. I was really, really unwell. And um, just in case, like a lot of people don't really know actually how chronic fatigue syndrome manifests itself. It's just, they think, oh, you're just really really tired it's actually more than that so for me it was incredibly sore joints and also you know when you've done a really intense workout and your muscles are burning that burning muscular sensation but just from lifting a glass of water um terrible headaches blackouts stomach cramps oh god the, the most awful painful stomach cramps um and they were just lying there in in bed unable to move in a lot of pain and then in addition to that you've also got a lot of people telling you there's mm. nothing wrong with you and that you're lazy and this was the problem and I got my diagnosis I was 21 at university I was in the middle of doing my law degree and I uh, got the diagnosis from the student medical center and they're like oh chronic fatigue syndrome and it was just sort of well bad luck that's that's what you've got now and there was no treatment available nothing I just sort of had to deal with it and so this is when I kind of tried to you know soldier on British upper lip and and for a long time when people asked me so they said oh you know what's wrong I said oh I've got chronic fatigue they say I've got chronic fatigue syndrome which is i used to say oh it's a rubbish diagnosis it's what they say is wrong with you when they, they when they can't work out what's wrong with you so i didn't even believe it for quite a number of years and then it wasn't until i moved down to london and was continuing my legal training down there that i started getting really really sick and like just could not continue to the point where I had to give up my job eventually and then move back home with my parents you have these things with with it's such a complicated illness you have these things yeah. um called boom and bust cycles so I would have a period where I would have rested maybe at home or wherever for a month to three months and then I you know I've recovered I start feeling better so I go 
go back down, start maybe start a new job, something like that. And then usually within the space of about three months, because I wasn't addressing any of the underlying issues, I would then get sick again and then have to give up my job and move back. So I was then caught in this quite elongated boom and bust cycle for a number of years mm. of getting a job, then having to give up the job, then moving back home with my parents, then getting a new job and then getting sick again and then having to give up the job and moving back home with my parents. And this went on for probably four years um and wow. luckily because i was i was lucky when i when at the time that i was living in london i was in kensington and chelsea they had uh, a chronic fatigue syndrome program one of one one of three in the uk i'm at that i managed to wow. get on and i was on the waiting list for that i think for about a year and a half two years and it was during that time that i started investigating like other kind of Nat- more natural healing approaches because just nothing was working nothing mainstream medicine had to offer was working like what what were you what were you looking at so it was actually um it was a friend's father who ha- he'd had cancer and he'd gone to see a nutritionist and he said well have you gone to see a nutritionist and i'm completely desperate by this point and so i said mm. well um no but you know when you're desperate you'll try anything so off I went to go and see this nutritionist and I've been ill for a couple of years by this point and it wasn't like I was better in a month but certainly there were some significant improvements in one month from following what this nutritionist said. What was it that could happen in a month that literally changed your life? I'm thinking of so many young people in their 20s since covid mm. who are, are suffering from this i'm thinking of three people in particular yeah. who may well be listening to this podcast so paint us a picture of that from a to b that kick-started this change in your life so I, I think that the real issue was that my overall diet was very very poor and i didn't understand how to put together a good diet and it's actually the major motivator for why i've written the book because if someone had given me this book when i first got sick so at 21 or at 23 or even better at 13 if someone had given me the book that i've now written the trajectory of my health mm. would have been completely and utterly different and it's not it's not you know super complicated information it's actually quite simple um it's just I didn't know it and I didn't know how to implement it. So just things like, for example, I know it sounds really obvious, but like more fresh fruit and vegetables, mainly more vegetables than fruit. I like a lot of people was eating maybe, you know, two or three pieces of fruit majoritively a day, if that, not even getting my five a day. I wasn't including whole grains in my diet. I wasn't drinking enough water. I didn't know anything about um, meditation or yoga or kind of gentle exercises that help support the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest part of your nervous system. Because you have um, in your atomic nervous system, which is your involuntary nervous system, you have two parts, the parasympathetic, which is the rest and digest, and the sympathetic, which is your fight and flight response. And we do so much to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system. You know, stress is at an all-time high, be it with emails or with just modern daily life. There's demands, 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 social media, constant demands on our attention, always stimulating that sympathetic nervous system. And we do nothing to support the parasympathetic nervous system. And the two are oppositional. So when one is high, the other is low. So if we're constantly stimulating the sympathetic nervous system and doing nothing to support the parasympathetic nervous system, we're not supporting that rest and digest function. And so I wasn't even digesting the food that I was putting in my body well so it was it was a multitude of factors so eating on the run for example eating on the run eating while watching tv eating while dealing with very stressful emails this is something I see my clients do all the time right. in clinic we're so in the habit right. of 
gobbling down a lunch very quickly while at our desks dealing with stressful emails and that is the least optimal way way to consume food your body hasn't had any time to prepare for the digestion of it so there's no hydrochloric acid in your stomach digestive enzymes it hasn't had any time to get any of that digestive function going and then you're also highly stressed so you're in that sympathetic nervous state and just so one thing i would suggest for example now to my clients to do that is to take three deep breaths before they have their lunch so Mm. in through the nose out Mm. through the mouth and just something as simple as three deep breaths before you have your lunch can switch the body from a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state and just help support that digestive function so that you are at least getting the most from the food that you are putting in but sorry to answer your question it's it, it, it was incredibly complex but what it did was it shifted my focus onto the things that i needed to be looking at which was my diet and also i suppose my mental health in in some respects and actually um giving myself a bit of a break like when i finally did get on the chronic fatigue syndrome program a big part of it it's a four-pronged attack when you deal with chronic fatigue syndrome and one of the one of the the pillars is um is activity management actually learning to look at your day and seeing where your energy is going where your activity is going because there's such a rhetoric of you're lazy just get up you should be doing more that the chronic fatigue syndrome sufferers starts telling themselves that and really beating themselves up and trying to force themselves to do more um, when they don't have that energy which actually compounds the issue and then they end up in this boom and bust cycle which just makes the whole situation much worse yeah i mean i think that you're i mean how old are you now 36 so this is about 10 years ago isn't it I mean, you look fantastic for 36, Thank actually, you. <laughs> you know, and I hate it when people say, do you know, oh, you look fantastic for such and such an age, but actually you really do, you look about 25. Well, I um, spent a lot of years I- sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, you know, I've got 24 and 27 year old daughters, and I know mm. exactly what you're talking about, this parasympathetic system and this fight and flight. Mm. You know, this is the the mindset that so many young people have and it's not just women but in this world of social media there is so so much mental health stuff going on and so much anxiety and so much comparison and so many you know the bubble culture where people think that everybody else is having a a a better time and doing it better and you know Mm -hmm. achieving more and blah 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 actually a lot of it hasn't got to do with what you're eating it's how you're eating so i'm so glad that you you talked about that it you don't really talk about that very much in the book the culture of eating i felt Mm. it was very interesting that you know you sort of break down all the fats and the processed foods and the the prebiotics and the Mm. probiotics and all the kind of things that yeah we all need to know but uh, just show me some nice recipes and i'll follow that or you know just Mm. i'll I'll Mm -hmm. just follow your instagram and it'll be fine but actually if you do that you're not getting to the crux of it which is how you eat you know taking those breaths well principle seven is the um is uh mindfulness so that's kind of where i'm trying to touch on that i'm just super conscious of the fact that in the book i was trying to give people the foundations that they need to establish a healthy life style for the rest of their life Mm. and to not try and overwhelm people and overcomplicate it Mm. this is this is these are ultimate truths these are fundamentals they're not going to change there's no faddiness here it's evidence-based it's all substantiated um and that's what i wanted to give people that really reliable foundation to then build upon 
that's all right. It's just book one. Yeah, really simple for people <laughs> and, and, and very doable as well. I want people to look at this yeah, and be like, is. I can do that. That's for me. And, and also just to not overwhelm them. I, I have noticed in my clinic, people do become very overwhelmed very quickly. And it's very much about progress, not perfection. And there's, there's so much in there to kind of be getting on with. <laughs> I just didn't, I was, I was cautious about adding too much. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's why it's, it's called the imperfect yes. nutritionist, isn't it? It's about, it's not competitive. It, you know, when I first saw it come through, it's, you know, I've interviewed Dr. Rupi mm. recently. I interviewed Salih Mahmoud Ahmed this morning. You know, there's so many books saying the same thing. Prebiotic, mm. probiotic, you know, fiber, 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 you know, the gut health. And, and you do absolutely talk about that. And what I was thinking when I was looking at this and I was looking at the way that you present yourself and the the branding around what you do, you know, it really felt that you were talking to a very different kind of person. And so from what you're saying now, I'm imagining that it is largely women in their 20s and 30s feeling just absolutely exhausted. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's 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 very accurate. Um, I suppose I kind of wrote the book for myself first to kind of it's the book as I said it's the book I wish I'd had when I got sick that could have you know saved me Mm. all that time and energy and upset and and trauma from having to go through all of that and and that's uh, essentially why I decided to retrain as a nutritionist anyway because once I finally did recover Mm. my health which was you know it's a decade-long battle and and to to battle something so long and so hard on your own essentially with with no direction from the health community at that time about what's wrong with you most people not believing you to finally get back to the the stage you were at 10 years ago you know it's it's like if if health is a line you've dropped all the way down and you've come all the way back up to where everyone has been the whole time and then suddenly trying to kind of rebuild your life it it had fundamentally changed me as a person losing your health without your health you have nothing it losing your health is such a humbling experience and I was so passionate about the fact that when I was lucky enough to recover and and I still do feel very lucky on that treatment program I was on at Great Ormond Street people were bedridden you know when it gets that bad there's a lot of people that never recover I'm so lucky that I did recover and I just didn't want anyone else to have to waste their life their precious time the precious time we have on this earth because of lack lack of accurate information there's just so many things we can't control in this world and accurate and access to good accurate information just shouldn't be one of them and so that was why I wanted to retrain to help people to save them from going through what I went through and and I think I noticed, you know, I, I love my clinic, but I'm only helping one person at a time. And the great thing about a book is it's, it democratizes access to information. And that's what I wanted it to be. I wanted it to be for everyone as much as possible. I, a book's yeah. a lot more affordable than coming to see me in clinic. And I just wanted clear information that people could go, do you know what? I can do that. Because I think sometimes things can be very overcomplicated. And, um, you know, I do talk about probiotics and prebiotics. And yes, these things are being talked about a lot at the moment. But I hope the kind of USP that I add is like, right, this is what this is what they are. This is why they're important. But this is how to implement it into your life in a way that actually works and is accessible in an imperfect yeah. way. And you put on your story today that you had a little meeting with TikTok before yes. me. So what did TikTok have to say with you then? Because, of course, that's the best way of getting information out there, isn't it? Through social media. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the the social media thing took me by surprise, really. Um, I 
I, I, I'd kind of, I'd, I'd done retrained as a nutritionist, which was three years. Then I'd started my private clinic up. And so actually, well, just to rehab. So, you know, I've, I've, I've gone through this decade long battle almost with chronic fatigue syndrome. I decide to retrain as a nutritionist. I start my private clinic up. I'm just starting to get a kind of semblance of a, a normal life kind of back up and going. And then a pandemic happens and my clinic is shut down because that's what happened in the pandemic. And I just had a moment where I was like, gosh, do you know, I just, I didn't know if I had the resources within me to kind of deal with like another big blow at the time. But actually, I think one thing about, you know, losing your health and having to rebuild yourself is you become incredibly adaptable and so, resilient. Yeah, massively. I would say resilience is definitely something I've learned um, or developed or found. Um, but I, I thought yeah. I was like, right, OK, pick yourself up, move everything online. So I decided to move everything online because it's a pandemic. And I thought, well, in this new era of everything being online, social media is going to be really important. So that's when I thought, well, what's the biggest social media growth platform at the time? And I think still is TikTok. So I thought I'd start a TikTok account up just as kind of something to do as well, because I was totally alone in the pandemic um, as well. My parents are in Oxfordshire and I decided to stay in London. And so, yeah, I was completely on my own in a pandemic trying to rebuild my business. And so TikTok became a kind of part of that survival for me, actually, really. It, it, it allowed mm. me a community and to meet people. It gave me a creative mm. outlet. And I was very lucky that some videos went viral and then TikTok actually reached out to me and asked me if I wanted to become one of the first TikTok partners in the UK. And so then I partnered directly wow. with TikTok, helping them make educational content for the platform, which was amazing. And then they named me one of the TikTok's top 100 creators. And I remember we had our like our party and they sent us a box and it was all full of um, like champagne and fruit and stuff. And then we had this secret login. So we had to log in online because we obviously couldn't go out and meet. It's a pandemic. So we're all on our laptops or whatever at home going on to this secret login and there they've got like djs and a presenter and stuff presenting the party and there's a live feed running down the right of the screen with all hundred of the creators and we're all able to engage with one another all sat there on, on wow. our own in our various homes with our champagne and fruit and stuff <laughs> watching these djs and presenters celebrating this tiktok's top 100 creators and it was quite a surreal experience to then kind of close the laptop and just sort of be like back on my own in my flat um but but <laughs> well it would be it would be surreal in any universe it was, it? It, was, it was crazy but tiktok was a real lifeline for me and i really i i I'll always have a special place in my heart for them because without that i don't know how i would have got through that pandemic and then instagram yeah. launched reels and reels is a copy of tiktok and i think one thing i'm really yeah. passionate about as a as a person is is connection and community and so instagram and tiktok are really really wonderful for that and the fact that they allow me to spread a message that i'm so passionate about which is essentially one of trying to help yeah. people that that's what I really want to do like I feel like service is is it's good for other people and it's actually good for yourself for your soul and yeah. so that's what I'm trying to do is help people to feel better live longer healthier happier lives and not waste their time being sick un needlessly and uh, yeah Instagram and TikTok have kindly allowed me to do that and um and yeah. then yeah and then a book deal followed and so hopefully more people will benefit from that yeah, fantastic. I mean, it, it really is the golden ticket for so many people and it, it really does work in so many ways. Um, let's talk about your seven steps. You call them the seven principles of healthy eating, uh, the focus on whole foods. I mean, we know about that. You don't really need to go into that here. Mm. Certainly not for a cooking books audience. I mean, we really do know how to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, be diverse. I think that that message has really got through gut health. You know, we need, what, 30 plants a, a week? This is where my 
skill set comes in and I think my messaging is unique because even though people might know 30 plant points a week they might not really understand how to integrate that into their diet and I think the thing is for me because I came to health like much later in life (laughs) begrudgingly I had to go through that re-education as an adult as a very busy adult of how do I integrate this into my lifestyle in a way that actually works for me that's not compromising it Um, means I can't go out and have fun and eat all the things that I love anymore and so the thing is like for Mm. example a really good tip that my clients find really helpful is um if, if you're trying to increase diversity is trying to increase the cut co- the different colors of vegetables mm-hmm. that you're eating eat the rainbow so there's all these different colors of fruits and vegetables and different colors of fruits and vegetables denote a different arrange- array of nutrients and so just look at something as sim- something as simple as looking in your shopping basket and being like oh okay i've got green and orange have i got red just simple things like that can actually act as prompts to be well i'll add more I'll add more in. Uh, And actually a lot of people are like, oh, I didn't think of that. I'd kind of forgotten that (laughs) there are different colours. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, just keep putting the recipes out there. I think that's that's the most important thing. You know, fats, again, I I get that people have different relationships with fats. Mm. um, And particularly if you're you're 20 and 30-something women, you're going to be talking about fats. That's a really important step. You break all that down. You break down the fermented, the prebiotics and the and the probiotics um again important information but i think that the most important thing is just to go to the recipes and just get into that habit of cooking of knowing what to cook and just having lots and lots of amazing recipes to really kind of drill down and and give you a new habit i think that's Mm. what eating healthily is about you know i'm constantly talking to young people about access you know Mm. to to healthy food but actually it's cooking skills and that I think that is really missing amongst young people yeah definitely I mean I really couldn't cook a thing like nothing before I got sick and then that was another thing being exhausted and ill and then having to learn to cook when I had absolutely no skills um was 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 even more exhausting so that's one thing about uh my recipe book is like they're very they should be very easy to cook uh recipes and easy to find ingredients and they they need to taste delicious i need my food to taste delicious i'm a foodie and that also happened to be nutritious for you as well um so that's kind of the premise behind all of my recipes and i hope that i hope that comes across but it is interesting how people actually how people contact me on social media and they say oh i've just started cooking your recipes and i feel much better and it's like well that's that's brilliant so actually the the thing i expect with the book is some people will just flick right over the principles and just go straight for the recipes and then start feeling great and that's absolutely fine and then they might start enjoying the recipes and be like oh actually i'd quite like to know a little bit more about why that works because also another thing that i want to do is really empower people to go out to restaurants or you know um or be at other people's houses and know how to kind of put a plate together themselves and design yeah. a meal so it's not all because the thing is when we're at home in our own kitchen planning everything out perfectly it's much easier to be on top of our diet than when suddenly schedules are out the window we're traveling around we're going to stay with friends we're out for dinner like that's that's always when the difficulties start and it's amazing how when i see people in my clinic so i run 12 or 24 week courses And without fail, every single client I have ever seen within those 12 or 24 week courses, something goes off track and they're like, oh, do you know what? You've just caught me at a really bad moment. And just this is not usual. And this I would never usually eat this. And And it's 
but that's life isn't it we there is no there is no ideal 12 or 24 week time to just eat perfectly all the time it, it doesn't happen and i think that's where the idea yeah. of, well that is where the idea of the imperfect nutritionist came from because things don't operate perfectly the whole time you are going to go off track and it's how do you how do you deal with that when it happens so that's why i think yeah. so, some of the principle that's why the principles are helpful i think because they give people that guide that they can then empower themselves and be like right okay actually i know what i'm doing i don't need to be reading all the ingredients off a list specifically to know that i'm doing it okay and it's not a diet it's you don't need to give yourself a, a hard time if you eat something completely off message for, for exactly. a bit as long as your your diet is normally really healthy number six is be aware of liquids um and seven is eat mindfully. I'm kind of hurrying up because we've been, I could talk to you for ages um, about this. Having said, you know, I feel I've read this book a million times. Actually, what you're saying kind of gives it a different spin. Um, we need to talk about your full food moments. Um, luckily, it's the super speedy breakfast. So tell me very super speedily why you chose this one as your first food moment. I chose this as my first food moment because another thing that I've noticed in my clinic is that most people struggle with breakfast. In fact, most people don't even have breakfast. And I actually find it's one of the things that most commonly people come back to me and say has brought about the biggest improvement um, in how they feel. So actually, I do feel like breakfast is more important than we kind of give it credit to. And this is not to say that everyone needs to have breakfast, but certainly it seems to have a good um, a good response. Yeah. It seems to get a good response from a lot of people. And this is my go-to breakfast. I pretty much eat this almost every single day myself, uh, just because it's such a nutritional powerhouse and it gives you such a great start to the day. So blueberries, has got blueberries in. Blueberries have been associated, regular blueberry consumption has been associated with long-term brain health. So I think that's a pretty good thing to be including regularly. Um, it's got the good fibers in and the oats and the plant omega-3s and the flax seeds and also the walnuts and then a lovely source of protein in the yogurt as well as... Um, probiotics and the yogurt as well so it just sort of has a lot going on and it's going to set you up really well for the day and give you a really good yeah. start yeah intermittent intermittent fasting yes or no uh <laughs> what kind of intermittent fasting <laughs> there's i go into that in the book a little bit because people say oh i intermittent fast but intermittent fasting can take many different forms certainly it is good to try and give the digestive system a break every day i advise my clients as a starting base because what you want to do is you want to start and then test things out and see what works for you and what doesn't so i say to my mm. clients optimal is to eat between a 12 10 to 12 hour window so if you have your first meal at 8 a.m try and have your last meal at 8 p.m um evenly space the meals throughout the day so three meals evenly spaced throughout the day and then if you need two snacks but trying to space that those that food intake out evenly and trying not to graze because as we touched on earlier you have uh, digestive enzymes and hydrochloric acid in your stomach and you want them really nice and concentrated when you're eating so they can work as effectively as possible on the food you're putting in your stomach and if we're grazing all day we're diluting those so they're not working as effectively which is why you want to be eating spaced evenly throughout the day yeah second food moment is tiktok tortilla oh we we sort of touched on this earlier i just um i feel tiktok's paid such an important part in my in my career and in allowing me to build such an amazing community of people and ultimately in uh bringing about uh, this this lovely book that i've been able to write uh and so i just wanted to pay homage to it i actually really love this tiktok tortilla. it was one of those viral recipes but actually it's become a real um staple in my uh in my kitchen it's very easy just get a fajita you put four different flavors in it fold it up into 
quarters and then you can toast it. So it's kind of like a toasty, a toasty tortilla. Really quick, really easy. And it's delicious. <laughs> you can change, change the flavours every time you do it. So mix it up. Your soy and chilli salmon tray bake. I must have made this a million times, not particularly because of the omega-3s, but because it's just absolutely lovely. And with whole grain brown rice, absolutely delicious. Oh, well, they, I mean, you've you've hit the nail on the head. And I think so one thing that is really important, I mean, fats have had such a bad rap historically. It's, you know, fats are good. Oh, wait, no, fats are bad. Um, and actually, there. luckily I go into, into the book, so it's all explained in there. Yeah. But one thing that's really um, become apparent, especially over the last couple of years, is the health benefits of omega-3s. The more we know about them, the more we see they have all these wonderful health implica- positive health implications for us. So trying to increase those in, in our diet, because most people don't um, include enough in their diets. So that's why I included this recipe. And also because it's really delicious and it's easy to cook if you're on your own. And it's also great for a dinner party. So yeah, it is. And it's also a reminder that sometimes you don't have to do really fancy stuff. It's Mm. just super easy. And it is about the ingredients. Uh, Yeah, it's a lovely reminder of that one. Um, Also, it comes together in minutes and it's it's made of store cupboard ingredients, the dressing. So it's it's great one for also when you're sort of caught caught short and you just need something quick as well. Yeah, and it looks great as well thank you um your fourth food moment is a chocolate flapjack bite a reminder uh that you can have a little bit of something you fancy um it's one of your mother's favorite things to do in the afternoon and inherited by you yes my mom she just loves to sit down in the afternoon with a cup of tea and a little sweet treat um and i think being very british myself i drink copious amounts of tea obviously and I love to have a little sweet thing. And for me, this isn't too sweet either. The bitterness of the chocolate topping and then the peanut butter and oat base. It's its just lovely. And, and also you can cut them into small bites. They're more like small little treats rather than a kind of big, sweet um, overload. So, yeah, that's why I love that one. Plus, it's easy to make and you can keep it in the fridge as well. So it lasts forever. <laughs> yeah. Now, presumably, this massive success that you've got now means you're back to working 50 hour weeks, um, back on the hamster wheel. Uh, Are you managing to get your life work balance? Um... uh, It could probably be a little little bit better. I did have I did have a moment... uh, last week actually where it's it because just like when you're when your health's declining it happens very slowly also the improvements happen very slowly as well and you know I train five times a week now which would have seemed completely crazy to me a couple of years ago even just going on a long walk but now I'm able to do like intense physical high intensity exercise five times a week it's crazy um so yeah things have changed quite a lot and I feel really thankful for that um but it's quite interesting I you know dishing was dishing out this health advice and then am I taking it myself I definitely have experienced burnout um I would say twice during this pandemic I think also living and working alone there's kind of no one to really stop you when you're getting really into it and um yeah I mean I just worked straight through the weekend but I I enjoy what I do and it's quite hard I think also when you're helping people it's quite hard to put a limit on that that's definitely something I've struggled with and putting kind of good healthy boundaries in place and remembering to take care of myself hey it goes up and down (laughs) but sometimes yeah I do get a reminder that I need to take care of myself and I actually took myself off on a technology free retreat a few weeks ago which was much needed and one thing that was really amazing about the pandemic it didn't matter 
who you were or where you were, we all had uniquely uh, difficult experiences and all very different. And um, I think I just didn't take a break. And, and when you're building something and it's growing and growing and growing, it's quite hard to step away. And I was, my body was telling me I need a break, I need a break. But I basically just decided to force one to happen a couple of weeks ago and took myself off to a cabin in the middle of nowhere, no Wi-Fi, no phone. And it was absolutely amazing. It was just sort of the mental reset that I needed because I think also working on social media can be so um, uh, overwhelming and intense in a way that I haven't experienced in other professions. It, it really just never ends. So yeah, I, I definitely needed to take that break. But I love what I do. So it is hard to press the stop button sometimes. And life is imperfect. Yes, exactly. It's okay. We will go through it. Gives, gives me more to relate to the people I, I'm working with. <laughs> thanks for listening do follow me on instagram i'm at food julie smith and on substack where you'll find a little extra bites from jennifer just search for julie smith on substack and i'll see you next week Uh